Hello everybody, welcome back to Dollar Dollar Bills, a way of life to build personal wealth and financial freedom. I'm coming to you today to kind of just offload a bit on things that are happening in my life. Maybe you guys can relate, but it's kind of this perfect storm of a few things happening. So let me start by explaining kind of what I'm talking about. But the theme today is really planning for long-term investments, big purchases that we want to make, and retirement and kids. So I know some of you may not have kids, may not be, be planning on having kids ever, may not have kids right now, but kids are expensive. <laughs> and I'll give you some specific numbers to, to share with you here. But really what I'm doing and what I'm diving deep into in my own personal financial world right now is you know, we, we have our son two and about two and about four months and we want to expand the family. We just got married. So now is kind of the time that, you know, we're not getting any younger. We're, we're really looking to expand and move forward with that. Well, I am recording this as I'm recording this. It's August 2022. So many of you probably are aware inflation is at an all time high. It's been at, at an, a 40 year high to be specific. And so, you know, we're looking at high inflation. I actually quit my full-time job where I was making very good money back in June, right before the wedding. So we, you know, we spent a lot on the wedding. I quit my full-time job so that I could really pursue my dream of personal finance and being a financial planner, starting this podcast and really having it take off. And so my income dropped significantly. And of course, with all of that, um, coupled with us thinking about expanding our family, as you can imagine, it's a little stressful, especially for someone like me who loves to go above and beyond on saving, especially when it comes to, you know, both very long-term savings in terms of saving for retirement, but also for longer term, bigger purchases. So like, our house is small right now. We want to, you know, get to a point where we can move to um, a bigger house, but we're probably also going to do some work on this house to make it livable for the next couple of years with two kids, so on and so forth. So, you know, I, I need to, and you guys need to also think about how to plan for all these different things. In my last podcast, where I, where I talk about what my assets and, uh, and equity look like combined, which actually looks like a lot, which is great, uh, you know, I talk about these these tentacles and I talk about the octopus and how you have various tentacles that, that do different things for you. So your money has to work in different ways for you and you put it in these different vehicles, these different investment options and they can be, you know, they can range from low risk to high risk. And that that's what you, that's essentially what you're planning and how you're allocating your money to work for you so that you can plan and allocate for these different things. So just to give you guys a sense of where I'm at today, you know, and these are just, these are not including the cloth, the cost of clothing, the cost of diapers, the extra cost of food, which is fairly minimal compared to, you know, what Aldo and I consume uh, on the, on a weekly basis, because we also get a lot taken care of at daycare. But, you know, we're paying and it's going up. It goes up every single year. So don't get, don't let the sticker shock shock you on that. But our, our daycare bill is about to go up to $15.65 just for one kid. 
So we're paying $15.65 a month. So that is probably more than some people's mortgage. It is probably equivalent to most people's, if not everyone's mortgage. And on top of that, I because I quit my job, I no longer have the benefit of working for a company and having benefits. And that can that isn't always the best option. And, and I, I do want to kind of go off on a tangent there for a minute because I will tell you, my, my previous job had really good benefits and I also went on a, a high deductible plan. So one of the things that I, I can go into into some detail in a separate episode if you guys see the value in it is healthcare and healthcare plans because when I the more and more I talk to people, not everyone really understands the plans, the premiums, the deductibles, you know, what's best for you. But long story short, my son and I, I've always had, I've always had my own insurance and then I've always had Hudson on, on my insurance because Aldo's was just too expensive and for so long he didn't even have insurance. So, you know, we had each other, we were both on a high deductible plan, so we were paying a very low premium. But then, you know, anytime we had to go to the doctor, which was frequently, it wasn't a, it, it wasn't not covered at all, but it was a pretty high uh, copay. So, you know, our copay was like $75. So every time he had to go to the pediatrician, which is a lot, by the way, in the first like two years, especially when your child goes to daycare, you are taking him or her to the doctor. I would plan for once a month, uh, to be honest. Maybe more than that sometimes. He's had probably between five and eight ear infections since he's been born. And then other things on top of that, not just ear infections. So anyways, you know, we were covered on a plan and I think we were maybe paying between 150 and $200 a month. Well, my previous company was actually not great and I had more coverage. So we, I was paying between like 500 and $600 a month. That being said, I went and I'm obviously making less money now. So this definitely comes into play dependent on your salary and what tier you're in. But I would just make this statement that don't always just go with your employer plan. Look at your employer plan, look at the options they're giving you, look at the premiums, look at what's being covered, the co-pays, the deductibles, look at all those things together. And also like understand your own situation. If you're like a single person who's young and healthy, go on the cheapest plan and that's probably the best plan for you. But I will say, seek other options, especially if your income level is at about 60,000 a year or less. And that's an important number to remember because that's kind of that threshold where you can get, it's more, more government backed and not private, privately owned driven healthcare, more government backed healthcare for much more reasonable costs. So for example, I went on a, um, I went to the affordable, you know, healthcare website. So basically, you know, Obamacare back in the day, I went through that because my income is much less being a self-employed person. And I got myself and Hudson on a plan for $250 a month. So that's not bad. And honestly, every time I go to the doctor, it's 20 bucks, any doctor for any reason. So that's pretty, pretty nice. So I would say just to go off on a, on, on a brief tangent here, if you are making, you know, six, again, 60,000 or less a year, I would look elsewhere. Don't necessarily re rely on your, your employer for healthcare or, you know, see what their plan is and compare it to other plans. Like do your homework there because it could really pay off. Okay. Off the tangent, going back to where, you know, I'm kind of going with this, this 
plan was really good for me and for Hudson, and it covered us in every way possible except if I got pregnant. And they made that very clear to me, which was good because there are certain instances where if you are pregnant, you can't, and you're not covered, you can't necessarily get covered. And those, when, when I'm talking to, you know, the, the, the people helping me pick the plans and update my plans, I don't know that it really is this much, but they said out of pocket, if you're not covered to give birth could be up to a hundred thousand dollars. So that's definitely not something we want to be paying. I would much rather pay a, a higher premium for like 12 months, a year, maybe even a year and a half. Because if you do the math on that, it comes out to like, if you pay $500 a month for one year, it comes out to about $6,000. $6,000 versus $100,000 is a huge difference. So anyways, I get on the phone and we're having this conversation. And unfortunately, basically my, my premium per month doubled from 250 to around 500. So it's kicking in in September, you know, so, so in a couple of weeks, and I'm going to be paying $500 a month instead for myself and Hudson to also make sure that if, and when I do get pregnant, that that's covered as well. The delivery, you know, all the ultrasounds, the visits, blood work, all of that's covered. So I do expect to be paying hardly anything out of pocket, which is great but the premium is a bit higher. So, you know, that plus the, the, my daycare is already two grand a month that I'm spending towards, towards kids, one that is not even existing right now and the other one who is, you know, existing in daycare and, and thriving. But that's just an example of kind of my out-of-pocket costs right now for, for kids. So, and again, I will say everyone has told me, and I can totally see this being true, because obviously I don't have kids older than two right now, but that kids just get more expensive as they as they age, right? I mean, if you think about it, the sports they're in, what what they're involved in, that they're want, wanting to like go out with friends, you know, you're going to have to buy, their clothes get more expensive because they, they get larger and, you know, so on and so forth, college, cars, I mean, I, you name it, it gets, it just adds up much more quickly. So keep that in mind too, when you, when you really financially start planning for children, I, I think I read somewhere that, you know, it, it can be up to like having a child from the, you know, zero to 18 can be like a million dollars. So again, keep that in mind. And it's something that you have to balance as part of that octopus tentacle. It's something that you have to think about as an additional thing to invest for and invest in on top of your longer term investments for retirement or, you know, even for vacations and for, you know, other things like, like college and, and so on and so forth. So again, it's something that I've had to think about recently. And on top of that, we were saving about $6,000 a month. That was our excess each month because we were doing so well financially. Again, we, we basically had two really good incomes and then that was not including the $1,500 I was putting a month towards my 401k to support both of us from, from a 401k standpoint, because Aldo is with a company he, he's seen as kind of self-employed. So his benefits aren't what you would get with a, you know, fully corporate job. So he's never had 401k. So I've, with my corporate job has, have always tried to adjust accordingly and really put more money towards mine to account for him not having a 401k. So anyways, we were saving about $6,000 a month and put, and that's not including the money we were putting towards a 401k. And that's also not including the bonuses we were getting. We were both getting bonuses 
throughout the year that was that I was able to use for you know kind of miscellaneous things putting more money towards the house so on and so forth so now you know we're I'm struggling desperately and I mean struggling from a quality of life standpoint and my long-term strategy standpoint to save four thousand dollars a month and honestly it's probably not going to end up being four thousand it'll probably be somewhere between two and four thousand so I'm going from having saved six thousand dollars a month to you know let's just say worst case scenario two thousand dollars a month that's a third of what I was saving before so I really had to kind of take a step back and deep dive into what was what's important to me what's important for our you know long-term goals and and short-term and midterm goals and also not killing ourselves from a quality of life standpoint so we did look at take a look at our budget we have decided well we've been trying to cut it down by like eight hundred dollars a month which has been harder than it we thought it would be so we might end up only cutting it down to 500 a month or maybe even less than that again so that we're not struggling from a quality of life standpoint but then you know looking at what we're able to save again we're, we're really struggling from a you know we're not putting as much aside for retirement right now but we do hope and believe that will change once I start to ramp up and he starts to build some some passive income on his end you know the goal is that we will be quote unquote struggling with where we're at today maybe for the next year or two and that's very doable so if you guys are in a situation like this just take a step back and think okay what do I want to keep feeding what tentacles do I want to keep growing strong to make sure that they work hardest for you so for us, I took a step back and I said, okay, from a budget standpoint, let's let's really, let's try and cut back a little bit, but let's not kill ourselves to cut back because we don't want to, that can, that can also lead to unnecessary strain, right? Unnecessary strain in the relationship, unnecessary strain, you know, between us and, you know, both internally, but with others, if we're not able to do all the things we want to do. And because we've already cut a lot in our budget, just, you know, w when it comes down to it. And, you know, so that's something to think about is one, the quality of life presently, can, can you manage that? Can you manage that, still be happy, still do the things and have some freedoms to do what you want to do and still save money and still have, you know, money building? The other thing is, and if you guys reference back to my goals that I had, in the beginning of the year, well, my situation was very different. So like my goals in the beginning of the year were very attainable. I actually wanted to pay the house off in two years. Now I'm kind of parking that goal because this isn't our lifelong, um, you know, end, end goal home. It's not a forever home. So I'm parking that goal for now. I have put down 10,000 towards the house this year. That may be all I put down. So instead of putting 30,000 or 50,000, I may just be putting 10,000 towards the house. And I'm okay with that. I'm not stopping or slowing down in our goal to hit 50,000 by the end of this year. That will still happen and that's still part of, of the plan, the overall plan. But when I look at some other things, you know, we are definitely taking a hit on our 401k for a while and, and probably for a couple years. And the good thing is, is I have that flexibility because we I had been building it for so long. And again, that goes back to the time value of money. It goes back to 
really identifying the fact that whatever you can put towards a 401k, I just don't have that option right now, but I, I will have that option soon, is valuable. So if you're with a company and you can contribute to it and the company's matching, please be putting in towards your 401k. The other thing is we are not going to be saving as aggressively as I was hoping towards my emergency fund and beyond that. And I think at that point, that's okay. Um, so we're taking a bit of a hit there. You know, we're, we're going to be saving about half of what we, what we originally were hoping to save. So about a thousand dollars a month, which is still good. And it's still something. So I'm okay with that. We have a nice cushion right now. So, you know, we're, we're, well supported from a liquid cash standpoint. So if we have to slow that down, I'm okay with it, but I wanna keep growing that and keep you know building that momentum. And then we're also going to be not slowing down actually our, like I said, our long-term retirement, but we, we are going to be reducing that. So what I was putting in was probably about 3,000 a month towards long term. So that's investing and either a Roth IRA or 401k. But now we're doing about $1,500 a month towards our Roth IRA investments. And because we have no 401k, that was that 15, other $1,500 a month. So um, that, and then we're also trying to add some buckets. We're still putting a small amount towards the, the real estate REIT that we, that we fund. It's like $200 a month. So it's not much. But that's going to give us, you know, if we if we wait that out and continue to invest in it, real estate is still very good. I'm still getting like between a 16 and 18% return on that money. So I'm going to keep investing there. And then I did, it's something that I, I can also do a specific podcast or episode on this too, is series I bonds. I, I put $5,000 for this year into series I bonds because the, the return right now is or the interest rate is 9.62%, and I believe it's gonna go up again in October. And so I am put $5,000 towards that, and then what we're gonna start doing is putting $5,000 each year towards that, and that's gonna be kind of my pseudo college fund, but also like miscellaneous fund. So miscellaneous fund for the kids, and so we can start to build something. Because again, time value of money there is so important. I mean, just generally it's so important. So. That's kind of a breakdown of where we're at. So for some of you, you're probably saying you're crazy. Like you need to relax. You're still saving a lot of money. You're still doing good things. But in my, again, crazy head of having really, really strong ambitions to save a lot of money, really build up our savings very quickly. It's a bit of a disappointment for me, but honestly, I had to pivot a bit and be okay with not saving as much as we were saving before because I'm not in this corporate job that was extremely draining and extremely, you know, emotionally and psychologically demanding of me and really would put me in such a bad mental state every day. Now I'm doing something I absolutely love. I'm able to spend the time learning and building upon something that's mine professionally and so that is extremely valuable and that's in some cases more valuable than the money I'm stashing away short term for you know my long-term goals and to be honest with you I'm doing that because I I hated my job so much I was so excited to retire early so if I'm doing something that I enjoy and that I can do for longer 
I may not need as much money, you know, come retirement. I may be able to work longer. I may want to work longer. I may be able to, you know, work part-time after I'm done, you know, with my full-time work. So there's a lot of other benefits to what I'm doing professionally that is forcing us to kind of scale back financially on our goals. And I'm learning, I'm having to learn every day to be okay with that and to accept that and to, again, kind of pivot my my strategy so that, you know, we can still be happy. We don't have to negatively impact mine or our quality of life. We can still go on trips. We can still have fun, enjoy life in the moment. And I can continue to build professionally and we can still be feeding towards our midterm and long-term goals. So I'm going to leave you guys at that. Thank you for letting me kind of talk through what I'm going through today. I think it can maybe help you guys just take a step back if, if you are struggling, if you know inflation's hitting you hard, maybe the upcoming recession creates some job loss for people. Just keep all these things in mind. You can pivot. You can you can you know take what you're what you're doing and and and, and re-strategize a bit, even if it's if it means taking some short-term financial hits in terms of your long-term goals. Be okay with it and give yourself a little bit of you know patience and and relief and and allow yourself to do the things that you need to do for your own kind of mental and emotional state to make sure that it's that it's okay and it's and it's stable. So I'm gonna leave you guys with that. But always remember, respect yourself by respecting your money. We'll talk soon.